Warning, the following message may be offensive to some audiences. These audiences may include, but are not limited to, professing Christians who never read their Bible, sissies, sodomites, men with man buns, those who approve of men with man buns, man bun enablers, white knights for men with man buns, homemakers who have finished Netflix but don't know how to meal plan, and people who refer to their pets as fur babies. Viewer discretion is advised. People are tired of hearing nothing but doom and despair on the radio. The message of Christianity is that salvation is found in Christ alone, and any who reject Christ, therefore, forfeit any hope of salvation, any hope of heaven. The issue is that humanity is in sin, and the wrath of Almighty God is hanging over our heads. They will hear his words, they will not act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment, when the fires of wrath come, they will be consumed and they will perish. God wrapped himself in flesh, condescended, and became a man, died on the cross for sin, was resurrected on the third day, has ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he sits now to make intercession for us. Jesus is saying there is a group of people who will hear his words, they will act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment come in that final day, their house will stand. Welcome to Bible Bash, where we aim to equip the saints for the works of ministry by answering the questions you're not allowed to ask. We're your host, Harrison Kerrig and Pastor Tim Mullet, and today we'll seek to answer the age-old question, doesn't being pro-life mean supporting gun control? Now, I'm sure if you're a living, breathing person who's not living under a rock, you've probably heard that in the last probably month or so, maybe a month and a half at this point, there's been two sort of uh, major mass shootings and ter- major in terms of um, the devastation of them, but then also the coverage of them um, by the mainstream media. And so what always happens whenever, whenever something like this comes up is naturally everyone s- sort of starts debating what should we do uh, about the fact that, that we can own guns and, and the laws that surround owning guns because you know, I think a lot of people are legitimately concerned over the safety of others, uh, and and people just don't always agree on uh, what makes people the most safe. So a lot of times what happens is you'll see on major news outlets, you'll see all over social media, people will all of a sudden be debating everywhere, what should we do about gun control? Should we implement stricter gun control laws? Um, should we should we uh, ease up on gun control laws? Should we start arming uh, certain certain groups of the population that are not currently required to be armed? These are all questions that are being debated all over the place right now, and um, so so we wanted to be able to have an episode that helps uh, Christians think through this que- these questions as it relates to guns, as it relates to weapons, as it relates to self defense. Uh, what should our view be? What does God tell us about these things? And Tim, really the place that I, I think would be most helpful to start would be just to just to ask you the question before we get into, you know, what should we do? Should, should we own guns? Should we not? You know, what should we do with those uh, with those weapons that we have? Really, the first question I want to ask you is just what do you think about having these debates at all pretty much immediately after a big um uh, situation like this happens where, where uh, you have some sort of mass shooting. Do you think that there should even be 
uh, debates over gun control immediately after these things happen, or do you think that's appropriate uh, for the situation? What do you think? Yeah, I think the standard uh, conservative response is to basically say to the liberals at that point, because the liberals use every one of these uh, situations as an opportunity to, you know, essentially try to take everyone's guns away from them. <laughs> uh, the standard conservative response to that kind of thing, though, is to say that, hey, you know, this isn't the time or place to have that kind of discussion. And, you know, while the you know bodies are laying on the floor, so to speak, this isn't this isn't the time, you know, we need to agree with those who grieve and, you know, we can have this kind of discussion later. And, you know, I, I've never, uh, you know, honestly, I just, I don't really think that that is a good response to the left as far as that's concerned. So, mm-hmm. like, it it, um, it doesn't appear to me that your standard conservative is even remotely grieving about a situation that they're so far removed from. And it does seem, like, it does seem difficult to sustain um, the kind of, you know, personal grief uh for every atrocity that happens in the world. So it, like it we're living in a, at a bit of a different time uh, now, you know, if you're, I mean, if this is something that's happening in the local, you know, uh, in your area, so to speak. And, you know, like you can literally imagine yourself standing outside the massacre and the bodies are on the ground and right. someone comes up and, you know, wants to engage with you in a gun control uh, kind of discussion at that point, then I would think that yes, in that specific kind of situation, that wouldn't be the time. Uh, but then, like when you're living in social media world, <laughs> and you're aware of all sorts of events like this, uh, you're not exactly in that moment talking to grieving people at that moment. And right, so right. I, I've never been persuaded that there's some sort of uh, lack of propriety in having the conversation itself. Now. I mean, what I mean by that is I don't, I don't begrudge them for having it like in that way. Meaning, um, I mean, I don't think, I think it's a dumb conversation to have period. Uh, so that's just telling you where I'm coming from. Like, I think it's a dumb conversation to have at that moment period, just because it's a dumb argument that's being made. But like the fact that they're having at that point in time, I don't necessarily like when are you going to talk about it, right? So it's just one of those things where it's just like, um, you know, you can imagine um, it, something like that having happening in your home, for instance, where maybe there's something uh, that's a bit dangerous in your home, and you know, one of your kids, uh, you know, maybe they, maybe you have a, um, you know, some sort of um, BB gun in your house or something like that, and like you can imagine one of your kids, you know, shooting another kid from that, then. You know, if if your wife were to come up to you and basically say, hey, we need to do something about this because this is not the first time this happened and, you know, our window is getting busted out. You know, I, I don't think at that point you're just like, hey, you know, not the time and not the place, you know. Okay. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, at that point, it's like, no, this is a opportunity to revisit what we're doing here, right? Right. Uh, like, uh, no, I mean, you know, I don't know that the best decisions are going to be made in an emotional framework anyways but I, I don't know that it's like a horrible thing to have the conversation i think it's more just about i mean particularly when it, you're you're uh, commenting on issues that you're not intimately involved in from a distance anyways um you know so I, I i think yes like that that's i don't i don't begrudge a person for having a conversation because of timing i just more begrudge them for having the conversation because it's a dumb argument that's being advanced mm-hmm 
Now, do you think that there's any legitimacy to um, the objection that, hey, like, okay, so we so we might not be, you know, necessarily mourning directly with those who mourn, but then isn't there a sense in which, like, you view something like that and the natural response would to be, like, I can't, you know, I can't believe something like this happened. You know, this is this is utterly evil and wicked. Um, I mean, isn't there still that response though? I'm not saying that you should be a robot or something along those lines. Now, I mean, okay. I, I mean, I would pick at your words a little bit just to say that, yeah, I mean, yes, I can believe right, it, it, right. Would, it would happen. <laughs> right. <know>? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, because we, you know, if you, and that's part of the reason why the discussion goes the way it goes is because you have a fairly naive view of the way human nature actually works. It's an operation in these kind of discussions. Uh, you know, I don't think a Christian should be absolutely emotionless, like a Spock kind of person, just, uh, you know, carefully having a discussion. But at the same time, like, there are, you know, thousands of atrocities just like that that are happening every day, all day long. Right. That now we're made aware of uh, by virtue of the fact that we're living in a, a world where all of these things are p- being put on full display like, you know, all day long, every day. I mean, if you go on social media, it's just like a, you know, horrible thing after horrible thing after horrible thing. And there's only so much like outrage, you know, and scandal and weeping that you can possibly do at a certain point. It's just like, okay, these are up for public comment. So we need to be able to provide public comment for it um, as far as that is concerned. So I don't think you should be emotionless. I'm just trying to suggest that there is a, it is a bit of a different situation that's happening uh, with these kind of things when you are not there on the ground in the moment right. and have no connection to anyone. Like in some sense, like um, I don't know that it's possible just to, um, you know, every time something happens, um, uh, well, you know, I, I don't know that it's necessarily possible or necessarily reasonable just to, like every time a problem surfaces in the world, just to say, well, you know, we need to just, uh, um, it's inappropriate to talk about. Now, I mean, in a lot of these situations, yes, I do think you need to take some time to actually figure out what happened first. Right. And so social media does kind of encourage everyone to instantaneously respond with a very with very little information and try to fix problems. Like, you know, the Bible talks about if you give an answer before you hear it, it's following shame. So I do think there is like a, a type of appropriateness to waiting and suspending judgment until you can figure out what the situation was. And we don't do a very good job at that, but you know, I, I do think you, you could, you know, conservatives could be criticized at that point to where, where, you, where you know they could just look at us and say essentially, you know, you don't. It's always inappropriate to have it. When are you going to have it? How many times does this have to happen before you're willing to have the conversation? And by the time that it all dies down, then you know, technically, then no one wants to talk about it anymore, right? Right, right, yeah. And so you know, I just it's not I, the it's not the popular thing anymore. It's yeah. never going to be the time and place to have this discussion, right? So yeah, and I understand that, but I mean, I just I I don't. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just you know, in some sense, it's like you know, if um, you know, Japan were to drop a nuke on us, we have to figure out what we're going to do, right? Right. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> not not the time and place. People are grieving. You know, it's like no, but like they may drop another one if we don't do something, you know? So like, <laughs> yeah. like there are things, there are, I mean, I, I just question that kind of logic in general is all is the only point. Right. The other, I guess the other bit of pushback that I, I want to ask you is, is there any legitimacy to, um, you know, basically saying like, Hey, look, this is a really, for a lot of people, things like this tend to be like really, really emotionally charged. 
is there any is there any value in saying maybe we should at least wait a little bit to let the emotions of everything die down and and kind of like make sure people have processed it in a lot where they can think logically about these things or or do you think that that's not really all that valuable in in this day and age where you're going to there's no telling the type of people you're going to interact with. I don't know the type of person that you're talking about who is going to be thinking purely on emotion is the kind of person who needs to be making any decisions at all. Uh-huh. You know, so, I mean, I, you know, you would hope that like the kind of people that are making decisions would be the kind of people who are not largely appealing to emotion at that point, but appealing to reason and logic and principle and having a backbone and having a spine and, there does like you do need to have like individuals who are making those kind of decisions be the type of individuals who are not training themselves to respond emotionally. Now I don't know that that's what we have, right, right, right yeah. period. But then I don't know that it, it helps it either way. You know, an emotional thinker is an emotional thinker, right? So you you have to have like it, um, you know, and if all we have is emotional thinkers, we're in trouble anyways. You know, so I I don't know that like. Um, I don't know that really helps all that much, but yeah, I mean, surely like you can get a mob worked up in the midst of a tense situation and you know, something needs to be done, you know, something needs to be done. And that, th- I don't think those are the best time to make decisions, but you know, like having a conversation is having a conversation, you know, yeah. as far as that goes. So. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, as turning uh, to the topic at hand, which is not necessarily directly, you know, mass shootings, but rather what, sh- what, should Christians think uh, when it comes to owning guns, owning you know weapons of self-defense, defending themselves? Um, why don't we just start with that title question? You know, uh, so I've seen a lot of people online who are suggesting you know if you know, Christian Christians we're just we're notoriously pro-life. I mean, it's just it's probably one of the most annoying things about us is we just we think you shouldn't kill babies, you know and and that's a pretty drastic, you know, <laughs> that's a pretty, pretty um, frustrating stance for anyone who's who's not pro-life. So, so something that is often often said uh, towards Christians, I think, kind of really as a way to undermine uh, both our stance on um, abortion, ab- abortion, and gun control at the same time, uh, is this idea that uh, you aren't actually pro-life. If you support owning guns, yep. right? Because why? Because um, uh, the people who support owning guns are, according to some people, actively enabling these sorts of tragic events, these types of mass shootings. Um, and so, so the argument, yeah, the argument then is you're not actually pro-life if you support uh, the Second Amendment, basically. So. So what what is your response to that? Do you think that um, that being pro life means being pro gun control at that point? Yeah, I mean, I uh, well, I mean, I guess there's two responses to that. One response is just to say that you, you know they obviously aren't pro life themselves. Like these are the people who want to kill children. So right. like they're not the ones to lecture anyone on what it means to be consistently pro-life. So that they're would be not res- Obi-Wan. They don't have the high ground. No, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, I mean, but response number two is just to say that, um, I, yeah, I, I'll, I'll agree with you. I'm not pro-life. I'm anti-murder. So like, I'll concede the point, you know, I'm not pro-life. I'm anti-murder. I don't, I don't feel like pro-life is a good, um, 
slogan that we should be using. I'm anti-murderer, and because there are murderers in the world, I feel like we need some ability to stop them. So, mm-hmm. like, because, like, and that's part of the problem with this kind of discussion is that there isn't a realistic perspective of the nature of pervasive evil in the world. Uh, and, you know, the pro- you know, evil, murder is as old as Cain, right? It's as old as sin, right? It's as old as, yeah. you know, the devil. I mean, it's a problem that's never going to go away. So because murderers exist, then we need to, like, it seems to me to be a little bit unwise to give them a massive and overpowering technological advantage over you that would render you powerless uh, in in your attempt to stop them. So, like, that's the issue. The issue is, well, what do we do about the problem of murder? Like, so, yes, I'm, uh, I, I, I believe murder is wrong. I believe that Christians should try to stop it. Mm-hmm. So that means that I think... Um, it would be absolutely foolish to give evil people um, the ability to you know, have some form of technology that would render you completely and totally powerless. I, I think you need, uh, if if you actually care about life and preserving life, and you you should uh, have the ability to have the same kind of technology that's available to those who seek to do you harm. Okay, so. So in terms of answering the question, doesn't being pro-life mean being pro-gun? Your answer is, well, I'm actually not pro-life. <laughs> I just think it's a dumb slogan, pro-life, and it's, it's a dumb slogan. But, I mean, if you just take it at face value, like, I mean, it's just a dumb, I mean, if you take it at face value and you say, okay, like, you know, Christians have tried to present ourselves as being pro-life, meaning we don't want to kill people, then sure, yeah, but now a logical entailment of that is not that you should like get rid of guns because that that doesn't logically follow from the position so you know i'm going to distance myself from the you know the pro-life movement that i think is largely ineffective but you know i want to distance myself from that but at the same time you know i it it doesn't follow to say that if you're pro-life then you want to remove any ability that anyone has to defend themselves from evil people Mm -hmm. so if you if you do value life then it seems like they're like you, like like part like what's happening here is you have a major disconnect between the nature of the problem that we face. Um, so like guns, you know, like <laughs> guns don't kill people, right? Evil people <laughs> kill people. <laughs> uh, to put it so that way, <laughs> the Adam Sandler, um, uh, Happy Gilmore, the shirt, guns don't kill people. I kill people. <laughs> I mean, the, the issue is, it's like a gun doesn't do anything. A rock doesn't kill people, right? Right, right. Like, like you have to use, you can use a rock to kill people. You can use a knife to kill people. You can use a gun to kill people. You could use your fist to kill people. Like you can't outlaw everything. So you can't outlaw fist. You can't outlaw. <laughs> I Chop mean, all the hands you know, off. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe <laughs> the feminist dreams would be realized at that point if all the men were, you know, have had their hands removed. Uh, but then, uh, like, that isn't really like at some point. Like the the issue is there are evil people who are going to like that have murder in their heart and are going to kill people. And you can take away the guns, but that doesn't stop a person. They can strangle someone. They can, you know, there's a, there's a lot of ways that you can kill someone. Uh, it's yeah, it's uh, it's neither here nor there. Now the issue is like if you want to protect people, then if there evil people exist in the world and we have a responsibility to protect people, then it seems to me that you don't want to cripple like the law-abiding citizens' ability to protect themselves from those who have a prote- propensity to break the law anyway. So you know the kind of person who's going to be a 
school shooter. Like they're the kind of person who basically you can tell them all day long, you know, you can't shoot people, you know, and this is a gun free zone, but they don't care about that. Right. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Like they don't care. So like the issue is what do we do like to protect life? Well, that like it, because like evil is stubborn and pervasive and insane and there's no way to stop it. Like through legislation, evil is always going to be there. I mean, just, I mean, just look at the fact that if you try to outlaw, um, I mean, they know this in the abortion discussion. Like, this is what's so absurd about it is they know this. It's like if you make it illegal for a woman to kill, like, their child in their womb with a doctor, then everyone's like, well, what about the coat, you know, the uh, clothes hanger abortions and things like that that put the life of the mother at risk and all that, right? It's like they know that you you take away the the forceps that are going to cut that baby in half and, you know, and the vacuums that are going to suck their brains out of their skull. It's like, well, they can just stick a coat hanger up there if they don't want the baby, you know. So, like, the issue is not, like, you know, murderer is going to murder. Like, that's the issue. And, and and it's almost take for granted that, like, if you stop her from doing it a legal, a legal way, they're obviously going to do it in ele- an illegal way, right? Yeah, even at their own, at the risk of their own safety. Right. I mean, and that's, it's just like, yeah, that's the way it works. So, like, the issue with the guns is not, I mean, that's not the issue. Like, the issue is, like, the, the evil people are going to, Evil people are going to do evil things. And right. so then you have to have some ability to stop them. And it might be that you don't want them to have a massive technological advantage over you, uh, if possible, if you have any goal of stopping them. But yeah, no, it's a dumb argument. It's uh, being, uh, you know, being pro-life or anti-murder does not entail taking away any, abil- any ability on the part of good people to protect themselves and others from evil people. So I guess uh, is the difference in your mind in terms of um, uh, being pro-life and anti-murder is the difference basically like, hey, so I don't, so no matter what, I don't want murder to happen, but then, you know, I'm not necessarily like completely pro-life because I think that like the one trying to do the murder should probably die. Is oh yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you hang them by the neck till their feet stop kicking, right? Uh huh. So I mean, I'm not like, you know, for all life, period, the end, uh-huh. right? I'm I'm for the protection of innocent life. I'm not for the protection of guilty life. So the Bible talks about like if you spill the blood of man, by man your blood will be shed. Meaning there are things you can do that forfeit your right to life. Now, for a baby in her mother's womb, they haven't done anything to forfeit their right to life. Right. Now, if you kill someone, you've forfeited your right to life. So I'm not just pro-life in the abstract, meaning that all life has dignity and value and must be protected at all cost, period, the end. No, like I, yes, we all have a right to live unless we forfeit that right through our actions, if that makes sense. Yeah. And there are things we can do that would forfeit that right. And then at that point, I'm not pro-life for murderers. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm. I'm anti-murder, right? That, and that's why saying I'm anti-murder is clearer. It's because I'm saying I'm anti-murder. Now, there is such a thing as a justified killing, and that's what uh, the government is there to do, is to bear the sword and to provide a justified just killing in the case of individuals who have violated the rights of others. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So just saying you're pro-life does leave you open to this juvenile kind of uh, argument that's being put forward. That's not a good argument. It's like, oh, I thought you were against killing, right? And it's like, well, 
just read a dictionary. There's a difference between killing and murder, right? I mean, right. it's murder. Right. And I'm not against all, like, there is such a thing as a justified killing. And yeah. So government sanctioned executions. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, now, just because the government sanctions it doesn't mean it's good, but, you know, there are cases where it would be good for them to sanction it. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Like the Holocaust is not as an, as an example of a very bad one. Yes. Right? That would be a, a government sanction, unjustified killing. And so, but the only way you figure out what a justified killing is, is by going to the Bible and figuring out what, uh, the Bible's definition of a justified killing is, and there are a few examples in there. Uh, one of which is when someone murders you, like you have the right, uh, or you have a you know a responsibility as a nation to put that murderer to death, an eye for an mm-hmm. eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. Uh, you know, another example is Exodus uh, twenty-one one through two: If a man steals an ox or a sheep, uh, and uh, kills it or sells it, he shall Pay, repay five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. If the thief is found breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there shall be no blood guilt for him. So, like, if you, like, there, there are rules in the Bible of, like, someone, like, sneaking in your house, particularly at night, um, and, like, uh, let's see, Exodus 22, 3, but if the sun has risen on him, there shall be no blood, there shall be blood guilt for him. He shall surely pay. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. Like the issue is like if a thief steals in, comes in your house to steal something at night, you don't know what his intention is. You don't, you can't just see, oh, he's just trying to steal something, right? Right. And so, like then at that point, there's a justified right to self-defense at that point that can be lethal because you're in my house under the cover of night, and I'm unable to discern like your motives at that point. So there are times where like there is such a thing as a justified killing. The Bible gives us examples of those things and. You know, so I'm not just pro all life, right? I'm not pro Hitler's life, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Hitler forfeited his right to life after he murdered six million Jews, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, so I guess, so owning a gun then. Sure. Um, your argument would basically just be, well, I, and I think I think you said this earlier, but your argument would be, well, the criminals are going to own guns either way because they're criminals. They don't care what the law, they don't care what the law says. They're going to do whatever they want to do uh, as long as they think that they can probably get away with it most likely. So, so the answer then is to not, um, you know, strip the right away from the law abiding citizen who is probably going to just, uh, to the best of their ability of, of follow the laws that have been, that they've been put under, um, so the answer is to not, you know, make laws for them that would essentially strip them of a, of the capability of defending themselves. Right. That would be, I mean, that's one argument. I think that there's a okay. ma- many arguments for, um, uh, like the right to bear arms in terms of like arguments for the second amendment. So part, uh, I think the primary, uh, uh, argument that was, given at the time you know, for like to the adoption of the second amendment in of itself was like the idea that governments can turn tyrannical. So like the issue was like, it's a citizen's duty to protect themselves from a tyrannical government. Uh, so one of the things that's happened is we believe that the government is essentially God over us 
And we look to them, like in these situations, whenever a shooting happens, we look to the government essentially to be our savior. And that's what's happening. So people are looking to the government to fix all problems, but there's some problems that simply can't be fixed. So one of those problems is the issue of murder. It doesn't rise, like, like individuals aren't innately good, like individuals are evil and they're going to, like there's anger in their heart and they're of their father's the devil and they're going to, you know, murder is going to murder, right? <laughs> like, the, so the issue is like, how are they going to do it? So like, but then um, the issue though is that like, you know, with the advent of guns, like it's just, you know, with every technology that's ever been invented and in, throughout the history of the world, when a when like a group of people possess a massive technological advantage over others, that what that means is that they essentially can do whatever they want to do. Okay? Right. Yeah. So, like, if you're going into the you know the tribe, the primitive tribe, and they have their wooden spears, right? And you have your uh, tank, your tank. They're done. <laughs> you know. I mean, it's just like yeah. Uh, yeah. like like it. Like that's what a massive technological advantage essentially will do. Like it just basically puts the other person that makes them powerless. And you can imagine this with any type of sophistication as it relates to the technology. When you possess that massive technological advantage, I mean, this, I mean, essentially happened with swords, you know, when the, with the different ages, you know, are you talking about the bronze age or the iron age or whatever else? Like it, but then you, you, like you bring like the problem up to the level of guns and essentially like guns are just, an overwhelming technological advantage, particularly when you have like uh, laser beam, uh, laser beams on them and scopes on them and everything else. Like there's just a massive technological advantage there. And I mean, you, if you're pointing a gun at someone and you've learned how to shoot it, I mean, essentially they, there's very little ability they have to react at that point. Right. You pull a trigger, they're dead. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not in every case, but I mean, that's just typically like, that's the way it works, right? So if you're a good shot, there, there, you know, there's adrenaline, and there's other factors, but I mean, it's just the kind of thing where it, you don't, you know, you have a sword, you have to actually walk up to them, and you have to actually swing it well, and there's some kind of skill involved. But with a gun, it's like an equalizer at that point. Uh, but then, like the issue though is that whoever has that advantage, whoever has it, is the one who basically calls the shots. Okay. literally like literally <laughs> yeah, no pun intended i mean that's the point though but then it's like if the criminals have it that's part of the problem is that right well why would you like so part of it is yes like one p p component of it is like all right now you right you you disarm the law-abiding populace and the criminals now are the only ones who have it then what that means is that everyone is essentially a soft target right so everyone's at the mercy of the criminals because the criminals don't could care less about your laws and that's why you know the uh the most unsafe place to be is to be in a gun-free zone, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, what that is, is just, it's advertising uh, soft target, right? That's what it says. And so part of it is a criminal discussion, but then the issue, though, is it's like, well, someone has to have the technology in order to keep everyone in check, right? Right. And now are you going to trust the government to do it? Like the same government who's locked us in our home for two years, the same government who is trying to force vaccines, you know, down our throats and, or, you know, up our nose, anally or uh, nostril rape us, right? Uh, you know, like, do you trust them? Do you trust these individuals to be the ones who have the overwhelming technology to basically call the shots and do everything that you say that they're telling you to do? Well, they have no track record of earning trust in that way. Like they violated trust at every single point. And so like I, you know, so the issue with the Second Amendment was that there was an understanding that the, the rulers could go bad 
and become tyrannical. And now we have rulers who have gone bad and gone tyrannical. And like, you know, if they're the only ones with the technology, you're at their mercy. That's the point, right? Right. Yeah. So anytime they're wanting to force you to do something that you don't necessarily want to do, they have the ability to do it. And that's why every time, like, you know, in every society, I mean, that's what's happening in Australia right now. It has been happening in Australia is they've disarmed the populace. And now the government basically comes in and makes them do, you know, puts them in you know, concentration camps, you know, kind of things. Yeah, yeah. If they don't get this vaccine. And I mean, that's the way it works. And, and like throughout history, that's how it's always worked. The first step of, you know, a totalitarian regime is to disarm the populace. And at that point, they're sitting ducks and they do whatever they tell you to. And, you know, there's been millions and millions of people who have died due to communism after communism disarmed the populace. That's the way it works. And if they have the, the overwhelming massive technological advantage, you have no recourse at that point anymore at, at all. So, I mean, part of it's that. So part of it's uh, like, so part of it's like, yeah, the criminals are not going to obey it, right? They're the ones who are not going to obey it. Government officials are not trustworthy. They're not the ones, we can't trust them to do it. But I mean, I think that there's just plenty, I mean, there's biblical arguments just to say, like, you know, Jesus tells his followers to go buy a sword, even, right? Um, so there's that. Um, but I mean, I, I do think we also have like an actual responsibility to protect each be protect individuals and that's something that has to factor into this kind of discussion so you know there's plenty of like situations where there's some sort of active shooter and i mean i read an article just last week of a situation where there was an active shooter and the woman shot him right yeah. pulled out her gun and shot him it's like well that's what you want to have happen like the issue is like when like you have this overwhelming techn technology and there's no way to like unravel pandora's box at this point everyone has it um, like the issue is if you make it ubiquitous, meaning it's widespread, then that deters people. So we're, you have a strategy discussion that's involved in this kind of discussion as well. I mean, it's like, what's the best way to do it to discourage, you know, people from um, uh, becoming an active shooter? Well, you, you know that no one's going to like become an active shooter at a at a gun show, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, okay. So, so you're bringing up an interesting point there, um, and. And I wanted to I wanted to mention this while you're kind of on this topic, but because the reason I want to mention this is because I really haven't. What I'm about to ask you is is something that I don't know that I've seen really seen anyone mentioning. If if there are people mentioning this, I haven't seen it at all, and I've seen a lot of you know takes on um, gun control both ways. And so, but but isn't it? interesting that it seems like more often than not these sorts of mass shootings are happening at schools yep like why why are they happening at schools mm. and not and not like you know uh the military base you know like like every single action movie every single action movie is always like at a military base or yep. uh you know so, something like that where there's going to be people um you know fighting back at you that's the whole, that's the whole conflict right Yep. Um, so, so why are they happening primarily at schools? Well, yeah, I, there's like five answers to that, but <laughs> I mean, part of it is like you, you know, schools are gun-free zones, and so that means soft targets, right? And that means no one's going to have. I mean, there's like one, you know, resource officer in the building maybe who might have a gun somewhere. Who knows yeah. where? I mean, it's just a soft target, man. It's a yeah. bunch. Of, I mean, it's it's like evil people are going to you know do evil things, and like this is just. You've told everyone that this is this is functionally the easiest target that you can have, right? And the kind of person who's going to do that is going to pick on women and children, anyways, right? 
And so like there's part of it is just like these are the most helpless people imaginable and you make them even more helpless because like the teachers don't have guns themselves, right? But right. you can imagine if every teacher were required to have a gun, what would happen, right? That I, could, I would I would think that the school shootings would go down. So part of it's that. Part of it is um you know asking uh so part of it's like it's a soft target, but then a lot of it has to do with the fact that like many of these kids like uh, I think in one of the more recent examples like a transgender um, you know, uh, I'm using fake words here, but uh, a guy pretend a guy who had those kind of tendencies. I think. Um, yeah, there's no such thing as transgender people. Yeah, uh, but then uh, you know, bullying happened and all this kind of stuff, and then you know, he's angry at the world and doesn't fit in, and you know, and so like you know, biblically, where do wars and fights come from? Among us, James four tells us, do that come from the desires or pleasures that are waging war on our members. Like essentially, you know, murder comes from a sinful heart and it essentially wants what it wants, what it wants it. And, you know, in, in a lot of these cases, there's a, there's a desire to be loved and cared for and respected and, and everything else that, you know, a person has enough and then they go on a shooting spree. So part of it's that a lot of, in, the, in these cases, you have individuals who don't have father figures in their life. And so they've never learned how to, uh, or, or they've had fathers in their life. Their fathers were destructive in certain ways. And so. Like you basically have uh, a lack of strong male influence in their life that can uh, weed out some of the destructive tendencies. I mean, what we're not allowed to ask in any kind of, in any of these situations is: Are these individuals uh, smoking weed? You know, are they high? Uh, marijuana can really affect an individual's like perception of reality and make things that are ab- very abnormal seem to be normal. Uh, we're not allowed to ask, like you know, how many uh, psycho psychotropic drugs this individual is taking uh and there is uh, you know a lot of evidence to suggest that many of these drugs are uh, very uh, prevalent in these kind of situations we're just not allowed to talk about it because of the money that goes into pharmaceuticals and so yeah i think there's a lot of things that could be happening in those kind of situations but you know typically yeah it is going to happen in a school situation because these are helpless people who are basically functionally been disarmed and that tells you something about the logic of the project is like you know all that you do when you disarm people is like you create a gun-free zone as you do create a soft target yeah yeah definitely um you know sitting duck basically yep. right yep. um i mean like if you think if you think about it like if you're a teacher in a school and uh you know that there's an active shooter and you have no weapon. You're never go- you're you're never going to have a a logical thought that leads you to say I need to run out there and confront the shooter, mm-hmm. right? You're going to say like we need to hide and and hope that they don't, you know, lock the doors, hope that they don't find us, right? Oh, if you're a girl. If you're a girl, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um we're definitely going to talk about that some more here in a minute, but before we get there, before we get there. Um so I know that owning a gun is something that the Constitution says is our right. We, the Second Amendment tells us that we have a right to bear arms. Um, so I guess my question would be like, all right, so that, that's great and all. Um, but is it, a, is it an actual God-given right uh, that we be able to you know, own guns or you know, knives or whatever as self-defense weapons or is that just something that the constitution affords us and is sort of um you know could go either way basically 
um, just depending on the government you live under and, and the, speci- the specific laws that they have? Or is it an actual God-given right uh, that can't actually be taken away from us? The same way, uh, you know, you, you can't just, your right to life can't be taken away without, you know, proper cause, like we talked about earlier, murdering someone, raping someone, some, something like that. Yep. Uh, well, I think in in a certain sense, like the question itself, kind of assumes an answer, like it, or it assumes a burden of proof that may be a bit inappropriate. Okay. Uh, like meaning, like um, like, so the assumption behind the question is, and this is what people are asking. Like the assumption behind the question is, like it's just assumed that the government would have the authority to disarm people. Okay. Do, do you, get, you get what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and so then, like, the burden of proof is on the Christian then to come up with a Bible verse, essentially, to, like, defend their right to have a gun, right? Uh-huh. But the burden of proof should actually be on the government. Like, so you should, like, the burden of proof is on the government to demonstrate from the Bible that they have a responsibility to police the possessions of their citizens. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Like meaning, like so you can you can ask it as if the burden of proof is on me to like defend my right to have a gun, or you can ask it as the burden of proof is on the government to defend their right to take it. And so then, like, you know, the the way you go depends on your understanding of what the government is there to do. And so, you know, like, the country was founded uh, like as a limited form of government because it acknowledged that. Like uh, the government had certain responsibilities, but then those responsibilities were not exhaustive, and so there's plenty of problems that exist in the world. Uh, but then, like what you don't like, what you know, the American project was not like forming a government that basically had unlimited, unlimited authority to do whatever it wanted. Like the government was given, like was given specific, you know, powers, <laughs> right? And the powers not delegated to the federal government were reserved to the states, <laughs> right? And so, like, like the issue though is that, like, we just assume that there's such a thing as a federal government that that is allowed to tell us what to do and micromanage our life, and like that's a poor assumption to make even from the start, right? So, like, what you have to ask is why is it the government's purview to prevent me from having some sort of means of protecting myself? Okay, so uh-huh. like that's like that's the that's the issue. So like the like so now let's just like let's roll back the technology a little bit to where we all have sticks, right? right so let's let, like let's say that someone came along and you know cut sharp it. sharpened sticks or just sticks, man. You all know, right, just just normal sticks. Yeah, just say someone <laughs> you know decided to you know snap off a branch of a thick tree and he walked up and he smacked someone on the head with it, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like, well, what do you do in that kind of scenario? It's like, do I have a right to grab a stick myself, right? Uh-huh. Well, I mean, like if a guy's coming at me with a stick, I think I might like to have my own, right? <laughs> so, yeah, preferably sharpened. <laughs> right, right. So like the issue like the issue there is though, like I don't, like should I have to defend my right to try to stop this individual from harming me in a manner that's appro- like appropriate, right? So like, what what are you gonna do? Like, you're just gonna like let them come up and hit you, right? What are you gonna do? So, like, so then the issue is like, well, um, what what I'm trying to say is like, this is a problem of technology at a certain point. Like, it's a problem of like, it can happen at any level. So you pick up a rock, you know, do I have a right to hold a rock, right? <laughs> 
if someone's trying to throw a rock at my head and bash my head in, can I pick one up and throw it back at him? Right. And if, and if I'm living in a, like a village where like there's gangs of individuals who come along and throw rocks at people, am I allowed to go, you know, maybe grab a few, put them in a pouch and carry them around. Right. (laughs) Abel was probably wishing he had a rock. Abel probably wishes (laughs) he did. Yeah. So, but then the issue, the, the, the issue there at that point is you have to ask at every level of technology. So a a rock, a, a stick, you know, let's say that individuals start making knives, you know, what do we do? Do we ban outlaw all the knives? Do we ban all the knives? Like, am I allowed to like, like, so like the, so the, the point I'm trying to make is like at a certain point, if there are evil people in the world who are seeking to do you harm, then like you have to figure out how to protect yourself from them. And part of the way that you figured out how to protect them, yourself from them is to create the better stick, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, like, so what do you do? You just allow yourself to be pillaged. But like the issue is if you're living in an evil world with evil people who do evil things and they're going to use their brains to figure out how to take from you what they want. And so what you have to figure out how to do is to figure out how to use your brain to outthink them. (laughs) Okay. And like the only way you do that is you develop and create technology that's better than theirs in order to stop them. And if you're at a massive technological advantage, you simply lose. You're just at the mercy of them. Like, that's what happens. So, like, so then, like, I don't have to prove from the Bible. I don't, I mean, I can, but I don't have to. You you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't have to prove from the Bible that it's okay to stop them from doing horrible things to me. Right? Right, right. So, I mean, like, now, like, does the Bible, uh, I mean, meaning, like, um, you know, there should be some sort of innate moral awareness that like it's okay to stop people from trying to kill you or rape you or <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, like I'm just thinking just just think in terms of basic like the basic, you know, issue at stake. If there are evil people in the world and there are, then you know and then those evil people are gonna use the creation like to create technology in order to enslave you then it better you know it is incumbent upon you in order to be faithful to god to try to stop them somehow uh, so there's that now i mean you can read the bible and jesus tells his followers essentially to go buy swords at, at uh, you know a specific point in his gospel ministry because they're going into particularly dangerous territory and like you know, they could be uh, in danger of thieves and robbers on the road who don't care one way or the other that they're Christians. They're just evil people wanting to do evil things. And so you know, there's Old Testament examples of like, um, you know, Nehemiah and them building a wall and the enemies of God reviling them and they set a guard. You know, they had swords, they set a guard and, you know, they prayed. Right. So there's, uh, uh, you know, there were um, situations that happened where the whole of the Israelites were going to be slaughtered because their enemies had conspired or planned against them and they uh, petitioned to the government to let them have the ability to defend themselves and they were granted that ability but that isn't in the government's purview anyways like it's not in the government's purview so like what what I'm trying to say is the burden of proof is on the government to to prove that it's their prerogative to uh, take an individual's means of defending himself away uh away from him you know or just allow himself to be a sitting duck to evil people and like that's like essentially the issue that can happen at a variety of levels mm-hmm. like meaning it's it's not a gun problem it's a technology problem it's a defense problem it's a 
Like, you know, if it's sticks we're talking about, it's sticks we're talking about, it's guns we're talking about, it's guns we're talking about, it's rocks we're talking about, it's rocks we're talking about. Am I allowed to build a fence around my house, you know, in order to stop uh, the zombie horde from coming in? Can I electrify it, you know? Like, what can I do? Like, and so, like, the issue is it just depends on what the plans are against you, right? Meaning, like, you know, if you have evil people who are doing evil things against you, then, you know, do you have a right to defend yourself? And then, in some sense, it's immaterial how you, like, what technology you use to do it. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah. I, so I do want to give just a little pushback, or maybe just get you to kind of clarify what you, what you meant, because, Right at the beginning of this, you said, you know, is it is it the government's uh, does does the government have a right uh, to control the possessions the possessions of its people was essentially what you said. So, in your mind, does that mean like when it comes to you know drugs or something, should the government not comp like you know dangerous drugs, not like prescription drugs, um, should the government confiscate those things do they have a right to confiscate those things or in your mind no they they don't have a right to that mm-hmm. um <laughs> uh yeah I, I think that the the drug conversation is fairly i think it's a it's kind of a complicated discussion in general and you have okay. like you have the libertarian kind of individuals who basically you know they're they're basically saying hey limited government and the government doesn't have a right and we don't need a nanny state and like we don't need the government stepping in and telling us what we're able to do and uh, are not allowed to do and i think a lot of the laws in the book are essentially you know the government playing the role of an overprotective mother like seatbelt laws and things like that and you know i question mm-hmm. like their the the right of the government uh, or the responsibility the god-given responsibility of the government to basically uh, tell their citizens that they must be safe and i think when you accept that kind of logic essentially that leads to the pandemic logic where they lock you in your home in order to force you to be safe um you know i I don't believe it's their job to do the risk management for you like you right right like like, i don't so now i mean like with the um with the um the drug kind of uh discussion i mean you could look at that practically and i don't think they're doing a very good job of policing it in general. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they 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 were straight up handing it out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're doing a very good job at that, you know, and I, I think I, w- I would probably, um, I think there's a good argument to be made that, um, uh, I mean, there are arguments to be made on both sides. I don't know that I've necessarily landed on, on that one yet. Like with the, okay. I've, I've, I've listened to arguments on both sides and um, I lean more towards the, that, I don't see that as a scriptural right. Uh, uh-huh. That our scriptural responsibility of government is to, you know, essentially be a nanny state governor at government at that point. I, right. I, like I, I believe they have a responsibility to bear the sword, um, but then I don't think they have a responsibility to bear the sword against swordless citizens. Right. <laughs> yeah. Especially the innocent ones, right? Yeah. So I mean, I don't, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where the government, God gives the government the responsibility to basically uh, de-arm all of their citizens and put them mm-hmm. at their mercy and basically force them to do anything that they tell them to do. I mean, it seems like a recipe for disaster at that point. Mm-hmm. But uh, with the gun, uh, with the drug uh, discussion, part of why it's complicated is because like drugs do. Um, like I don't, I don't believe that. I'm not like a pure libertarian in that way. I don't believe that 
like uh, government. Um, like, I, I mean, I don't believe that, you know, porn should be legal. Uh, mm-hmm. But then, like, you you know, you do have um, uh, biblical passages that you can appeal to that define the government's responsibility along those lines to punish uh, you know, fornication and adultery in certain ways. And so I would, I would appeal to those kind of passages, but then with the drug kind of passage, I don't know that I'm finding a lot of passages in the Bible that basically make it the government's job to police like, you know, alcohol or certain kind of drugs. So I, I, I need a better argument at this point. Okay. Um, I guess, is there anything in your mind that's the government should be able to like, I guess, police in terms of possessions beyond just you know individual cases so like the per the individual person who uh you know goes and attacks another person with a sword i mean he should be he should be put to death right but then assume he's not for whatever reason the government it seems like the government would at least be in the right to say like all right well we're gonna take your weapons because we don't want you doing that anymore you've proved it you're dangerous so Beyond like that sort of example, is there anything in your mind that the government has like a, no, they actually do need to have their hand in, you know, their citizens' possessions when it comes to this specific thing, whatever that is, or no? When it comes to this specific thing related to weapons in general or just in general? Just just possessions in general. Yeah, but I don't, like, I think government can covet too, right? Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. The government can be guilty of coveting, so I don't. I don't know that it's uh, like. um, I don't know that like there is such a thing as property in the Bible. So you you don't take anything that belongs to your neighbor, and like the government can be guilty of theft, and and so I think you need um, like you you do need some kind of biblical case to be made that it's the right of the government to take things that belong to certain individuals as far as that goes so okay like meaning like you need to make a case for why like you, you like the burden of proof is i would say the burden of proof is on the individual to show why biblically this is the responsibility of the, of the government to take certain things from people and you know the government does confiscate they do steal a lot of things from their citizens they have no right to take so yeah, I mean, even the kings of israel yeah, that's how that's how God described. If they yeah, if gonna, they pursued kings, then they were going to take, take all of their. They're going to take, and they're going to take, and they're going to take, and that's. I mean, our government is out of control takers at this point. So, like now, like you know, there are individuals who can make certain choices that forfeit certain rights, right? For sure, but then just um, you know, taking um, things that are you know being produced by citizens that. I mean, th- I mean, the things are neutral in themselves. So, m- meaning like a, you know, like if you come in and like if your government comes in, and they take all the people's sticks, right? That they made. <laughs> 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 it's like we're the only one allowed to have sticks. It's like, well, I know how this kind of ends up, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, basically, you're the only ones with sticks, so that means we do whatever you tell us to do, right? Like, and there's no breaks on it anymore because now we're all defenseless, right? So, right, I mean, that's right. just the way tyranny works, so. Okay. Um, so, so some pushback that I have seen before, and I think, you know, uh, James White, he, he mentioned this as well, but um, as, like, pushback that he's seen, but I've seen a lot of people who say um, there's certain weapons that kind of get the spotlight, 
in these conversations. One sure. of those being like the AR-15. So the you know the argument is basically like, hey, you don't need that, right? That's like military grade weapon. Um, and what do you need a military grade weapon for? If the if the government ever comes for you, like they've got tanks, and all you've got all you're going to have is an AR-15. Sure. So so the logical conclusion is to say so you don't need that so we should make it illegal to own that so that people can't use them to easily uh kill people in schools for example right um sure so so what is what should like the the christian view be or <laughs> even just or even just you know um like the American citizen view when it comes to that sort of argument, like, Hey, we shouldn't be allowing people to own, you know, quote unquote military grade weapons. It should be like bolt action rifles or something. Instead, <laughs> mu muskets instead or something. Probably, probably people, probably most people are just thinking like, yeah, maybe it's fine to own pistols, but you don't need, you know, a 30 round sure. rifle, semi-automatic rifle. Sure. So, so what what's the thought process there if you're the Christian? Yeah, I mean, I uh, I, I did a Twitter thread on this like idea conceptually that um, I mean I could kind of bear out to try to answer that kind of question, but you know, just imagine that you are in like just just imagine for a second that there is some sort of technology developed um, that you know essentially allows you to stop time around you, okay? So let's say that you have like a gadget you develop that is like a time bubble or something. Now this is like pure sci-fi, obviously, but I'm just trying to get you to think through a principle here. But just imagine you have a time bubble kind of technology. You you know, so say it's a watch or something like that that essentially lets you move around while everyone is just like frozen, right? Mm -hmm. All right. So if you had that, if that kind of thing were possible, you can imagine like the entailments of that. What that would mean is like if you, you know, you're, uh, uh, you see a pretty girl or something like that, you could just, you know, grab her, put her in a truck, drive her off, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm telling you what depraved people could do, right? Right. Uh, like you see, like you want to take people's wallets, you could just walk through a crowd and take everyone's wallets, right? See a car you like, you can grab the keys, take the car, drive it off. No one can do anything about it because you're essentially operating at a different like uh, time frequency speed than them, right? Okay. All right, so the issue then would be that that technology would basically put you, like give you, you'd have an overwhelming technological advantage that basically means you could do whatever you want, right? Right, right. All right, so that's the way like civilizations have always worked throughout the history of the world is that the individuals who have the overwhelming technological advantages, they do whatever they want. That's the way it works. Like, okay. Mm -hmm. So like that's the issue. Like the issue is like like if you have an overwhelming technological advantage, you are basically entering into, you know, lower G God mode, right? Yeah, pretty much. All right. So, like, the problem then is that, like, this can happen at any level conceptually. So, it, it doesn't matter. Like, if everyone has sticks and you have the, you know, the, uh, if everyone has sticks and you have the AR-15, you're basically a lowercase g god, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You do whatever you want, right? So, like, so the issue then is, like, well, like, who has, like, if if there are these 
technologies that are invented, the government has the overwhelming technological advantage over its citizens, then functionally the government does whatever they want. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right? So now is that the arrangement that we thought we were signing up for in creating the United States? Well, no, we that isn't the arrangement we thought we were signing up for. We weren't signing up for like a kind of arrangement where like government authorities were essentially had unlimited ability to like do whatever they want with us. Okay. So like, if you give them that massive technological advantage, like the issue is they have it like that's what they have. And so then you're at their mercy. So that's like, so part of the issue is like, well, we sh- we should have the kind of weapons that they have. Right. Yeah. Again, if we have the same kind of weapons they have, then what that means is they're accountable to their citizens, right? Right. And what that means is like, meaning like, you know, like if you're like, all right, you imagine like, let's roll back time. Everyone has their swords, right? Mm-hmm. I have my sword. The king and his men have their swords. Well, yes, the king and his men, there's a bunch of them that can gang up on me, right? Yeah. But we all have the same technology. Like that's the point. We all have, we all have our swords. And it might be that, like, I'm better at my sword than one of the king's guard. And so, like, if one of the king's guard wants to, like, rough me up and, you know, do horrible things to my family, I could stop him if he's off the books, right? Mm-hmm. But then if he's conspiring with the rest of the king's guard to basically tax us to the point where we can't feed our families, at a certain point, what happens is the peasants get tired of it, right? They yeah. all grab their swords and like then the king is accountable and in trouble, right? <laughs> right, right. Does that make sense? Like he's like, yeah. Like, but then that is only possible if we all have the same kind of technology, right? Or the ability to have the same kind of technology. That at a certain point, like you can't, um, like you can stir up the people and you can stir them up and you can, you know, lock them in their homes. You can take away their freedoms. At a certain point, like you're going to become accountable to them. And so, like, the, the issue then is that the government's not neutral. Like, they're not neutral. And that's part of the issue that's in, involved in this kind of discussion. They're not neutral. They're evil individuals, right, who, uh, who like, are showing that they have contempt for the governing documents, the Constitution that we have. So, at a certain point, you do have to have, like, citizens who have the ability to defend themselves. And it's like, well, you know... Like, if you have an armed populace who knows how to use it, the reason why Americans have won wars in the past is because we had guns, we were trained them, we knew how to use them better than the other countries did, right? So Right, yeah, they grew up their whole life shooting, basically. Yeah. So now if the yeah. government turns on you and is starting to oppress you, like, what you need is, like, you need a government that's accountable to the people in a certain sense. And, you know, us having, you know, an AR-15 instead of just a six-shot pistol is a means of greater accountability for them. Now, certainly, yeah, I mean, certainly there's like, you know, a thousand tanks or whatever that we have, whatever they can, you know, bring their tanks in, but like, they're not going to bring their, they they don't have enough tanks to stop, you know, everyone, (laughs) 26 million people. They didn't have enough, you know, uh, tanks and, you know, ship, you know, uh, planes and everything to stop, you know, uh, the, uh, you know, the terrorist over there in the Middle East <laughs> they just right. surrendered all their assets and resources to, right? So, right. like, that's the thing. It's like, so it, you, you say, well, there are planes and everything else. It's like, yeah, they lost all, they lost millions of, te- you know, dollars of technology, you know, to uh, a bunch of individuals who just had guns, right? So, right. 
So, but yeah, the, the short of it is, yeah, I mean, you know, what are they allowed to have? Yeah. And if so, they have, if they have overpowering weapons, then why shouldn't we? So it's, it's basically like, well, yeah, obviously they have a, you know, technological advantage, right? We, I mean, we have a, our military spends more uh, than, than I think like the next, the next nine uh, countries combined or something. I, I don't remember the st- right. st- statistic exactly, but America spends a lot uh, in terms of, in terms of the military. And so obviously there's going to be a technological advantage there. I mean, they, they have planes that, that don't require a physical person in the cockpit to fly them, you know? So, but if you say like, well, we can't hope to keep up with that. So you might as well just take away the AR 15. Your response is basically to say, well, well, yeah, like, sure maybe we can't like keep up in terms of just the actual technology but then you know there's like what 150 million people in the u.s or is it 300 million i can't i can't remember i think we have three um 380 maybe i don't know but uh you know if that many people are armed the military i mean you have to drop nukes or something. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Like something, something uh, like utterly devastating and, and just totally over the top, you know, that changes the course of history forever. Um, so it, am I kind of understanding what yeah, you're saying? Yeah. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is I'm just trying to, I'm basically just trying to say that, you know, the assumption there is that the government obviously should have a massive technological advantage over their citizens. And that I would challenge that assumption. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, um, I would challenge that assumption to say that, you know, like, what do we do if they go bad? Right. 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 Well, if we go bad, then we might want to have the means to stop them. And right. So now, if you just believe that they're all wonderful and they're all good and you know they can do no wrong, then you know I, I do have some, um, you know, land to sell you in Florida. You know, <laughs> they might be interested in. You know. Right. Um. Now we. Uh, Doug. Doug makes a response like you know, related to this, um, too, but, um, you know, he, in one of his posts, he says, um, uh, he says the second amendment was not, uh, this is an objection. The second amendment was not included in the constitution because the founders wanted to preserve their posterity, the right to hunt squirrels with muskets. So he's saying it's not because they wanted to, um, preserve the right to hunt squirrels. It was included because they wanted the population to have a the resources available for a well-regulated militia. Now, this uh, militia was for coordinated military defense from the outside invaders, indigenous hostiles on the frontier, tier, or he says, uh, tyranny from the Johnnies in Washington. This means that assault weapons needs to be part of the mix. If someone reply, replies that modern weaponry was not in view, it should be noted that modern form of militias were not in view either. Either They're not talking about a National Guard that could be called up by George III. Uh, but surely the response come, this can't mean to include high-tech weaponry, weaponry like shoulder-mounted surface-to-air missiles. And he says, <laughs> he says, well, sure it does. How else could we shoot down their surveillance drones? So, <laughs> you know, I would just say something similar to that. Like, right. I mean, if the government, I don't want the government having, you know, just a massive technological advantage over us if we can help it. And so I don't just grant that it's natural and normal and obvious that they should have an overwhelming technological advantage to essentially... You know, right, be able to he, make us do whatever they want us to do. You know, he, he, you know and and that kind of, I was thinking about this because it 
in one sense, it sounds a little bit ridiculous to say like, all right, I should be able to own, you know, a bazooka, for example, because um, <laughs> I, I need to, I need to be able to blow up the Abrams tank if it ever comes rolling my way. Right. But right. Uh, so like that, and I think in our uh, society, that sounds pretty ridiculous because it's like, all right, well, we can own bazookas. Well, how do I know someone's not just going to blow me up with a bazooka, you know, like randomly? Cause they just, they got, they got mad at me for saying something. Um, well, well then the next step is to say, well, well, I'll just get a bazooka too. Right. Then, well, that's, that's <laughs> the, the, the issue. Right. Yeah. So the issue in my thought experiment before is like, you, you know, you imagine that scenario where like you have the time bubble and right. you can do whatever you want. Well, like in my, you know, hypothetical imaginal, imaginary scenario, like the only way to stop that would be to have your own, you know, to right. where you both are operating in normal time together, right? Like, but then the issue is then if everyone had one, then you even the playing field. That's the right. way it works, right? Yeah, I mean, you think about, you think of like, all right, it sounds ridiculous to say like, hey, I'm just going to own a bazooka too to, to deter you from shooting me with your bazooka, right? But yeah. then... Wouldn't we? Wouldn't we all agree that that we as Americans feel safer that knowing that we have nukes to deter but, Russia from shooting but, their nukes at well, us? Well, there's certainly <laughs> that is the logic, right? And that's right. why you know. But then you know we. <laughs> that's the whole logic of the project is to say that well, we have ours, you have yours, you shoot yours, you shoot, we shoot ours, and we all go down together. You know? Yeah. Like, like all right, you want to shoot me? I'll, you know. Uh, mutual destruction and and shared mutual destruction right, or whatever. Right. So now, I mean, I, I do think you have to, like, you do have to think, like, well, about the nature of technology itself. Like, you have to think about the nature of how technology actually works and is it the government's responsibility to take, like, to regulate, like, the kind of technologies that we can have and in, in that kind of way. And, like, so, like, the issue is, like, like what is their regulatory goal responsibility along those lines and like like the issue is that like with weapons in general like you know you, you know you can take the guns you can take the knives and we're helpless right right then right whatever you say goes right like whatever you say goes and like there's no stopping you at that point yeah and and the, the issue is historically whenever that's happened whenever you whenever they've de, de you know armed the population they do whatever they want to do. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I'm, and I'm talking about hundreds of millions have died in those kind of scenarios. Like it's, it's insane. Like it's like, that's the way it works. Uh, but then it just happens at every level of technology. And that's what you have to think about. So, but then the issue is like the more pervasive a technology is like that, that gives you that kind of advantage. You deter people, right? Like mm -hmm. that's what, that's what happens. You can't just do whatever you want to me anymore. So if we all had our little time bubble things, then no one, like they would all be useless. Right. But if you don't have one, you're at the mercy of everyone else who does, right? right? Right. And then it doesn't do you any good to say, "Well, I'll just be at the mercy of the government," then, right? Because they can go bad, man. They're not, they're not Christians, <laughs> like, right? Right. Well, I guess you know I'm safe from the bad guys, and now I'm you know at the mercy of the other bad guys, right? The ones with the suits and ties. Right. Um, now, Canada just passed a law that I think um, is. I don't know if it's necessarily a law that gives the government the right to confiscate guns, but I think it at least is outlawing the sale of guns at this point. Yeah, I, um, I heard something about that. I'm not aware of what, the I, details. 
Yeah, it sounded like an outlaw or something, but I don't know. <laughs> um, now, let's say that were to happen in America. Yep. Should Christian, and let, let's assume it's a, you can't buy guns anymore and you cannot own guns anymore. So, so if you own a gun, you are, you are required to turn it in to the government. What, what does the Christian do at that point? Do, should the Christian, number one, let, the, let's assume there's one Christian who does not own a gun, who now wants to own a gun because they're worried that the government's coming after them um, or, or even you know their neighbors are coming after them or something and they need to defend themselves. Should that person go try and buy a gun off the black market anyways? And then, and then let's assume there's a second Christian who already owns a gun. Should that Christian turn in their guns or should they keep them against the government's will yeah uh, well part of what you have to do is you have to ask yourself what kind of government are you living in and like the part of the government that we're living in is we're living in like a you know essentially a representative democracy but then like the highest human authority in our or the highest authority in our nation under our form of government is the constitution itself and the constitution does give us certain rights and so uh, let me see if I can just give you a thought experiment just to help you to m- maybe navigate some of these issues. But just um, imagine that you were to receive a tax bill from Georgia. Mm-hmm. What would you do? Ignore it. <laughs> I mean, but shouldn't you submit to the government? I mean, yeah, like the Alabama state government. All right. But, but like they're telling you to do something and they're, you know, official, right? I mean, yes, they are also a government, yes. So it's not your government, right? <laughs> That's the right. Point. right. So like the issue is like you wouldn't obey that, but then would you be violating Romans 13? Well, no. I mean, you wouldn't be violating, like you submit to the governing authorities and like there are rules, right? There are rules right. to these kind of things. And so like submitting to the governing authority doesn't mean any like tyrant who comes along and says, hey, I'm in charge, right? Mm-hmm. So like if someone like walked up to you and just said, hey, I'm a king, you know, I'm the king of America or something, <laughs> you know, give me all your money, <laughs> you know, and it doesn't look like they have a gun or anything. They're just, I, I'm the king of America and I command you to become my servant. You know, uh, what would you do? Tell, I mean, I would just tell them, no. leave me alone, crazy person. <laughs> right. Because you're not actually, you don't have the authority to do that. That's the issue, right? You don't right, have the right. authority to do that. Now, like under our form of government, like the highest authority is the constitution and like the legislators and like the president of the United States and, and the judges are under the authority of that constitution. And so the constitution gives us rights to guns. Uh, and I mean, it doesn't give it like as if it granted to us the rights to gun. It's just recognizing our right to that. It's mm-hmm. intrinsic. And that was part of like the discussion about how it was even worded. Like how are these rights, these rights are not being granted by the government. They're being recognized by the government. Uh, but then uh, like in that kind of way, they're under like uh, they're that's the rules. And so whenever like, like the, the way the system set up is that when like, you know, different branches of government try to overreach, then it's the citizens and the other branches of government's responsibility to resist that, to work it out in the courts. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, so like if, you know, if uh, the legislative branch or, you know, the, if the president were to, you know, do a ridiculous, you know, uh, executive order, you know, where he pretends like he's a member of the legislative branch and just makes laws by, you know, divine fiat or whatever, 
Like if he were to do that, like it would be our responsibility to say no and then challenge it in the courts because what's happening is he's being the tyrant. He's the guy walking up to you and saying, give me all your stuff. And it's like, no, that you're under the authority of the Constitution. We all are, and you can't do that. That's not the way that this works. And so at that point, it's like a citizen's responsibility to resist and work it out in the court system. And then if it doesn't get worked out that way, you know, our, our government give makes it our responsibility as citizens to overthrow tyrannical rulers who refuse to submit to the laws that are established for them. And so like in that way, like it is like, it is in, in our, you know, in our government framework, our responsibility to overthrow tyrants. Okay. So the long and short of it is, well, being in America, living under the constitution, the constitution recognizes our right to bear arms and that's above them like that's an authority a, right. above like you know the Joe executive Bo- branch the legi- legislative yeah, branch the executive branch is not a king you know he's right <laughs> he's a man under authority just like we are and if he violates it we're supposed to resist uh, that's the arrangement we're under so okay so we should resist what what about a government that that doesn't recognize that right that doesn't like recognize the right of it like who like to bear arms. Yeah, I mean, there's of, no like, there's no constitution that you know, <laughs> says its citizens have the right to bear arms. There's not even a constitution. It's just like a you know a monarch or some or some sort of totalitarian ruler. Yeah, I mean, what do those Christians? I mean, do? I think you persecute you in one town, you flee to the next. You know, so I can. One of the things that's amazing here is that we're living in a transitional time where we're living in a time where we do have the moral high ground to resist. And then what we're doing is we're like we're being told by you know our effeminate evangelical leaders to basically just you know hand over all authority over ourselves to you know tyrants basically like so like we're in a stage right now where we're being told that the biblical response is to enslave ourselves to tyrant tyrants essentially right to to give mm-hmm. away all ability we have to defend them and so it's like like there's a in the name of like turning the other cheek, yeah, or I mean, Romans to willingly, or, willingly go into slavery, like that's like so. Right now, like we're free men who are we're being told to enslave ourselves to these individuals who don't have the moral high ground in order to protect our evangelical witness. But I mean, once we do that, you know, I, I mean, it's like it's unthinkable. You know, it's like uh, biblically speaking, it's like if you know, live as free men, right? And if you can find a way to you know remain free, then take it, like right? Mm-hmm. So. Like so, we're in a situation where like we haven't been enslaved yet, but we're being told that the path to faithfulness is to enslave ourselves to evil men, right? And then like once we give them all of the, you know, just give give them permission to do it, they'll take it. And then it's like then we're gonna have to figure out what how do how do you respond when you're living in like in a totalitarian regime, you know, that you let happen, right? Right. Like you don't have to let it happen, you know. Like you you know, so it's like um. I mean, conceptually, it is like someone walking up to you, just some random person walking up to you and saying, I claim you as my slave, right? Mm-hmm. Like what our evangelical leaders are essentially telling us is that anyone who does that, you just say, okay, in order to protect your witness. <laughs> I'm your slave now. <laughs> oh, I guess, you, I mean, you said that you're my king. And so, sure, I guess I have to just, you know, go to your basement and you chain me up, you know? Like I mean, it's just that level of stupid. Like it's that right. level. Like it's that level of absurd to the point where you say, "No, I don't have to." No, you're not my king. Like you don't have the ability. I don't have to do what you say. Like what? Are you nuts? You know? 
Like, right. and that's like what we need to do to our government is to say, you're, are you nuts? Like we have a constitution that gives us rights. You're not allowed to do this. Right. Uh, but we're say, supposed to lay down our rights. Remember uh, that the cr- Christian life is all about laying down all your rights. I thought, no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, lay, lay down my right to my wife, lay down my right to my kids, you know, lay down my right. I mean, like this, this is, um, like, certainly, like, Christians are to be individuals who, like, don't seek re- retaliation, you know? So if someone hits you on one side of the cheek, you turn the other cheek. We're, sh- we're sure we're supposed to be forgiving. We're supposed to be merciful. We're not supposed to be individuals who are litigious, who are vengeful, who are taking matters into our own hands, who are unable to overlook an offense. Like, sure, we're not to be vengeful, but that's very different than just, like, individuals who are basically laying down... Uh, rights and so like the issue with rights is that like a right you know and there's a lot of pastors who say that kind of thing and I think they don't haven't thought through what they're saying but like the issue with rights is with every right there's a corresponding responsibility so if I lay down my right to my kids right mm-hmm. like what I've essentially done is I've laid laid aside my responsibility to be their parent and to protect them and to provide for them and to care for them right so, so like the issue is I if you lay down rights, you're laying down responsibilities. If I lay down my right to guns, then I'm laying down my responsibility to protect weak people who need protection. Mm-hmm. So like, it's not that simple. Like you can't, you, if you tell me to lay down my, my right to my property, I'm laying down my responsibility to like take care of my family, to steward God's money the way that he tells me to do. So we shouldn't just voluntarily surrender rights in that way. Like we should like, uh, certainly, you know, if someone is holding up a gun to your sa- your head and saying, give me all your money, then I do think what you say, you're not surrendering your right to property. What you're doing in that moment is you're, sur- like you are basically saying it's better to live than to get a bullet in my head over this stuff, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah. under coercion, right, you're giving in to a thug in order to, you know, live the next day. So I, I don't think, like, like there is a type of Christian who is just like full of vengeance and just, you know, don't nobody, you know, treat me bad kind of thing. Peter. Yeah. And that's the situation Peter is actually under. It's just like he didn't have a category for suffering for righteousness sake. And, you know, essentially Jesus at that point rebuking him, you live by the sword, you die by it. Meaning like, you know, you're so ready to chop someone's head off, right? Mm-hmm. That you don't see that I have a purpose to go into the cross and this kind of thing. Uh, so, but like the, the even issue, though I've told you time after time again that right. that's exactly what I'm going to do. That's exactly what I'm going to do, and you just won't hear it, you know. But like, the, so the issue is like you're not laying down your right to life or property or you know relationships or whatever. You're not you're not laying down your rights. What you're doing is like you're not being vengeful. Mm-hmm. If, if that makes sense, yeah. You're not developing a. a personality is dominated by vengeance uh, but that's very different from like laying down the responsibility to steward the things that God's given you right uh, and you know that's interesting that's interesting because um you know as Christians obviously Christ he set an example for us in terms of the way that he loved us as his um you know as his adopted co-heirs basically um Meaning, he laid down his life for us. He loved us unto death, right? Um, but then you do have a lot of Christians right now who are saying, you know, we need to lay down our rights to own guns, 
right? Right. And and they're even they're even I've seen plenty of people going as far as to say, hey, like if there's a if you're in the situation where there's an active shooter, like you hide, <laughs> right? You hide. <laughs> yeah. And it's and it's like I I guess the confusion there is like, all right, but we're the same people who keep saying that there is no greater love than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. So so which is it? Like if if it seems like if that's what you believe and you're put in that situation. Now, I understand I understand that it's it's one thing to talk about it and then it's another thing to actually do it. I I get that, you know, it's easier to talk about something than actually do it. I I acknowledge that that's real, but then there are plenty of people throughout history who have been able uh, you know, to lay down their life for someone else. Um, and if, if we're the type of people who are saying that's the greatest way to love someone, isn't there a sense in which we should be as Christians telling people like, no, you, you, if there's anyone who's not going to hide and instead is going to like confront the situation, it's going to be you as a Christian. If you, like, if you have the ability to, uh, or or am I am I oversimplifying it? No, uh, there's. I mean, part of the whole issue with the discussion is it's like uh, what's happened is that guns essentially have been demonized, mm-hmm. and they're treated like it's like um, like if you imagine Lord of the Rings or something along those lines is uh, like Lord of the Rings the re the ring is kind of inherently evil, yeah, and, and it's altogether corrupting. It, it corrupts, yeah. Uh, now that's part of the problem with the way Tolkien wrote it is that like the ring was supposed to symbolize sin, but then like the problem is that sin comes from within. It doesn't come from without. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's no like magical talisman that's inherently corrupting. Like that's not the way it works. Right. So, but then the way we're told to view guns is we're told to view guns as if they're the ring of power. Right. Yeah. Like that they're inherently evil and corrupting and, you know, like, uh, they're going to find a way to kill someone <laughs> and they're going to yeah, manipulate I mean, everyone around them yeah, to I get mean, them to kill people. Yeah. It's like the fantasy sword or whatever that has like the evil, uh, personality in it or something. And then like you, you know, you equip the thing and it's going to turn you evil, you know, or something like that. <laughs> like, like, it's just like, that's not the way that guns work. I mean, they're just, it's just a tool, right? It's just a sophisticated right. tool. Uh, so, but then the the issue is like, where does evil come from? And and we're living in a culture and society right now that doesn't realize that evil comes from the heart. So then, like, the issue is like, you know, if someone wants a gun, it's like, well, you must be a Trump supporter and you know, mass murderer, killing spree kind of person. It's like, no, I I the only reason I would want a gun is so that I could stop what's happening in Chicago every week from happening at my house. Yeah. But, right. Like, I don't want my, I don't, like, like, the, like, and that's part of the thing that's so dishonest about the whole discussion is that no one cares about all the gun violence that where it really is happening. And, yeah, a lot of kids are dying from guns, but they're dying from guns in the inner cities uh, due to gang violence. Like, right. Like, a thousand times more than, like, they're dying to school shootings. Yeah, like, hey, they, I'm pretty sure, so, and I saw this the other day, uh, 50 people died in Chicago over memorial day weekend from guns right and that's just one city like that's one city and like how many school shootings happen a year right not many at all right and 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 that you know totally outnumbers that one school shooting in that one city and so like there is an epidemic of gun violence it's just not where we think and it's not politically correct to talk about it but like the issue is if there are people if there are gang members who have guns 
they're going to do what they're going to do and they're right. going to shoot people. And so it's like, if I don't have one, then like I've surrendered my responsibility to protect my family and protect those who are around me. But if everyone like relearned how to be courageous, then what you would realize is that like you have a moral responsibility to protect the weak. Yeah. And the only way you're going to do that is to, you know, not bring a knife to a gunfight or whatever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this sometimes may work, but I mean, that's the point. Like the point is like you, you have to be ready, you know? And so what, what we did in previous generations is we trained men to be ready to protect people. And that happened through in a wide variety of ways. I mean, you, you teach your kids to, you know, you don't pick on a girl, you don't fight a girl, you don't, you know, even like the, your mama jokes have like, um, uh, they're, they, arose in a kind of worldview where men were trained to defend women, right? Uh-huh. And so, like, if you think about, like, now, it's just funny, you know, because you lost, like, like the the foundation for it. Like, it's like, don't nobody make fun of my mom, you know? It's like, oh, uh-huh. well, who cares, you know? It's just a joke, you know? It's like, but no, but that was happened in a society where men thought they had a responsibility to protect women, right? Right. Particularly their mom and their sister. And then, like, you would get this kind of, uh, outrage that would happen if you said something insulting I, but the point though the point brother point i'm making is like we used to have trained men to be courageous and then they would but now what happens is you know you can have a you know a sodomite go into the you know pulse night club and just shoot people and unload right and do all that and like everyone just sits around and waits because they don't have any courage they don't have any yeah but one of the things i've taught my kids is like hey when you get to be a teenager or you know whatever someone starts shooting you all run at him and maybe he'll get one of you but he won't get all of you right mm-hmm. but that's what you do like you go and you go after him right but i mean right. like if you had guns it'd be a lot easier <laughs> right right like pull them out and you stop them right but that's what you need like you know if if there is evil in the world and it's going to express yourself itself like then what you want is you don't want to wait on another man to do your job. And that's what many people do with the police. They're looking to another man to basically be a man for them. Right. Yeah. Instead of like you know, thinking to yourself, no, I'm a man and I have responsibility to protect people around me. Instead of just being a coward who's just going to watch as someone unloads um, on people. Yeah. It just, it just seems like one of those things that you would say, well, if I'm going to, if I'm going to, you know, if I'm put in that kind of situation, if I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die fighting. <laughs> you know, go out in a hail gunfire, right? I I would much rather, you know, I would much rather be dead because I was trying to protect other people than I'm dead because I was hiding and I got caught. Well, I mean, I can't tell you yeah. how many times I've had that kind of thought process happen in my mind. Like, you know, what if someone were to come up to our church and start shooting? Right. What, what would be my plan? And you know, I have it worked out in my mind. There's a plan. Yeah. You know, and I I hope that the rest of you guys have a plan. Yeah, I think the same way. I mean, I, mean, I, I hope you, you know, do. Obviously, I hope that you know you don't <laughs> want that to happen. But then that doesn't mean you don't mentally prepare yourself for if it does. Because you know, okay. So uh, I, I saw a funny, just quickly. I saw a funny okay. like, uh, meme or whatever where like the like the bear is attacking a man and like uh, you know it says something like you know forty percent of men's life is devoting to trying to figure out what they would do in this exact situation. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> All right. I what mean, do I do if the bear attacks me? Real men, you know what I mean? Like that's what you, 
I, I'm pretty sure I was thinking about that the other day. I heard some story um, about about someone. Oh no, you know what it was? I saw a video of a guy who was riding his mountain bike out in the woods, and he had a camera set up, and you see him kind of ride past, and then a few seconds later, he's he's running back with his bike, and then you see a bear step in the frame, mm. and then you know the comments are all like, like yeah, they're similar like. Most men have devoted a significant amount of time <laughs> to asking themselves, "What would I do in this exact situation?" That's right. You know, That's right. Uh, but what I was going to say is, you know, we we interacted with someone online who was basically uh, you had you had mentioned the idea of like men needing to be courageous. You know, how if we don't train men to be courageous, if we don't uh, train them to know how to you know like use weapons uh, to to attack people who are and in, who intend to cause harm on other people, then how are you ever going to do something like, you know, raise up enough people to storm the beaches of, of Normandy. Right. And this person that we interacted with, they, they kind of viewed that as like a preposterous thing. Like that's, that's just not something that we have to train people up for. But then, you, you know, unfortunately for that person, a few days later, uh, you know, the shooting happens. Right. And, right. and, and what is everyone doing? They're praising the person who was brave enough and it, they're praising the person who is brave enough to, to run in there and shoot the guy. Right. right? And now obviously those are different. Those are different situations. They require, uh, you know, they're not, they're not in every way comparable, but they require the same exact courage thing, is courage. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, do they require the same degree? I mean, we we can debate that, I suppose. But uh, you know, like that person was the type of person who most likely was raised up, or or at least later on in life, taught themselves to be courageous. Yeah, right? I mean, if you and, can't if you can't face a virus with a point oh one chance of death, you're not going to be able to storm the beach of Normandy. You know, if right. you're walking around wearing a mask right now on your face, like in like you're doing that in a non-ironic way or something right. like that. Like you, you know, you, you don't have the requisite courage needed to do anything. And right. I, but I mean, just think about different civilizations throughout the history of the world. I mean, like the Spartans or, you know, different societies like that. I mean, they trained their kids from an early age to know how to use a sword because that was tied to what it meant to be a man. Right. It is tied to like being able to defend yourself and defend others. And it wasn't like it, no one thought, oh, well, we're training you to be a sword, how to wield a sword so you can be a mass murderer. It's like, no, <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, no, there are actual evil people in the world. Like, and so right. like the issue is like, we're, you know, we're supposed to protect ourselves from enemies, both foreign and domestic. Like that's the issue. Like the, the issue is that there are enemies out there there are evil people who have evil designs and evil plans you know some of those designs i mean some of those evil people might be you know the these uh individuals who are have a chip on their shoulder or they're mad at everyone around them and you know probably on significant kind of drugs they may be the enemies that we need to protect each other from it may be you know these enemies in the inner city gang violence it may be you know, the bureaucrats in Washington or the enemies that we need to protect, protect ourselves from. But I mean, imagine like, you know, if China or Russia invades, like, what are we going to do with all of our safe space warriors, you know? <laughs> like, right. What are we going to do? It's a joke, man. They're, I mean, it's just like, uh, they said something mean to me. They can't even handle that. You think that they're going to be able to, like, they can't even, like, face, like, you know, the statistically insignificant kind of risk 
that that was associated with this you know pandemic fake thing that we just went through like they're not going to be able to do i mean they're just going to roll over you know and we're enslaved right. and like our civilization goes and like when the men go the civilization goes that's the way it works and it's like oh well that's who's attacking us <laughs> it's like well, just wait man you know give yeah. it a few years you know that russian mil you know no one thought russia was going to invade Ukraine either, right? Uh, right. Everyone would have bet now against Now all of a sudden their citizens are having to fight. <laughs> right. I mean, but then like you prepare yourself for that beforehand. And like the way you prepare yourself is the way that you respond. Right. Uh, you know, and so I, um, you know, th there, I did see a video of a guy who stopped a robber, you know, at a store and like the guy pulled a gun on, the, on him and you know, he reached up and grabbed the gun and, you know, disarmed him. And the lady who was interviewing was so enthralled by that. She's like, I'm sure that that was your military training. And he's like, no, that wasn't my military training. That was, I had planned in my mind what I would do in that exact scenario. And then when it happened, I executed the plan. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And that's the way it works. You plan, like you have to plan on what you're going to do. And so what are we going to do if there's, if there's a shooter at our church? We need to have a plan in our mind, what we're going to do. You know, I hope the plan at our church is that, I mean, I hope it never happens, but I hope the plan at our church is that the moment he walks in, all the men in the room charge him and he may get two or three of us and then we get him, right? Yeah. Or at least all the men pull out guns and shoot him. Or that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that'd be better, you know, too, but, um, but yes, you need a plan. Right. Okay. Well, that's all the questions I have. Um, Tim, is there anything that you want to just bring up that maybe we didn't cover or, or just, or even just summarize what we have talked about? Yeah, no, I, I, I think the I think you have a lot of evangelical leaders right now who are essentially just falling all over themselves trying to win the world's approval by being agents that are actively uh, trying to enslave us in the moment. And so they uh, they really do need to think through some of these things. And, you know, the predictable fellows all come out every time we have one of these predictable discussions about gun control. And, you know, they want, like, common sense gun control method, uh, you know, measures. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, I don't know that I trust, you know, any of these, uh, you know, leaders that we have to do anything common sense. I mean, they've asked us to deny common sense at almost every single point. And so I don't know that we have a shared, agreed upon definition of common sense anymore. Uh, but then what it sounds like you want to do is you want to, you trust the government implicitly to be your dad, you know, and your God. And I don't, you know, I don't trust the government to do that. I, don't, I, I think that they're, they're obviously uh, corrupt and have, uh, are filled with an evil agenda. And I think that it's our responsibility to try to, it, like it's our right to bear arms, but it's our right a responsibility to bear arms in order to protect individuals that God has placed in our life. So like, this isn't like, I mean, just trying to reduce it to some kind of pro-life discussion is just uh, neither here nor there. Like we, we need to be men of courage who are, you know, using the resources that God has given us. And we're still in a country right now that, you know, has, has these rights still, and we need to use them or we're going to lose them. And right. when we do lose them, it goes bad. You know, you can expect hundreds of millions dead at that point. That's what has happened throughout history. So just just look at, you know, what, what happens when communism is taken over countries. And there's, you know, plenty of historical examples to show you. First move is dis disarm population. Second move is you're done, you know. Yeah. So if that's what you want, then, I mean, you know, it, um, you know there's it's hard to, like the naivety there is just mind-boggling. But. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Tim, for 
uh, walking us through that and answering a lot of my questions. Um, yeah, hopefully this is hopefully this is helpful for you guys out there listening and and sort of forming your own understanding in terms of how Christians should view um, weapons of self defense and, uh, and and that they aren't inherently evil. I think that's a really big point that that we made is they aren't inherently evil as a lot of people really kind of make make them out to be and and we need to be people who are ready to actually you know lay down our lives for our family our our families our friends you know our neighbors that that's what Christ tell us tells us is truly loving and and part of being prepared uh for those types of situations in a way that maybe you don't have to actually you know like lose your life in in the name of protecting them but uh, you are laying down your life, meaning you're putting yourself in harm's way and stopping someone who is trying to harm the people that you care about. Uh, part of what helps us do that is actually having weapons. And so so we hope this has been helpful for you guys. We hope that this equips you guys to go out and have your own conversations about uh, what it means to, for Christians to own weapons. And we want to thank you for all your support, and we look forward to having you on the next one. This has been another episode of Bible Bashed. We hope you have been encouraged and blessed through our discussion. We thank you for all your support and ask you to continue to like and subscribe to Bible Bashed and share our podcast with your friends and on social media. Please reach out to us with your questions, pushback, and potential topics for us to discuss in future episodes at BibleBashedPodcast at gmail.com and consider supporting us through Patreon. If you would like to be Bible Bashed personally, then please know that we also offer free biblical counseling which you can take advantage of by emailing us. Now, go boldly and obey the truth in the midst of a biblically illiterate world who will be perpetually offended by your every move.